Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Capella podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things parenting, babies, mental health, physical health, and early childhood. Today, I am joined by Ariana Taboada. She is the author of The Expecting Entrepreneur, a guide to parental leave planning for self-employed business owners. Before publishing her book, Ariana has spent years as the founder of The Expecting Entrepreneur, a consulting firm that helps entrepreneurs design parental leave plans that meet their business model and personal needs. Ariana has worked on maternal health issues for over a decade as a health educator, a social work trainee, a reproductive health researcher. She writes about parental leave and respectful maternity care as an issue of social justice, human rights, and economic equity. Her work has been published in peer-reviewed journals such as the International Journal of Health Equity, Advances in Social Work, and Ethnicity and Health. She has been featured in the HuffPost and in Forbes. You can get her book on Amazon, on Apple Books, Barnes and Nobles, everywhere books are found. Before jumping to the interview, I'd like to just remind you that uh, we have uploaded the video of the interview onto our YouTube channel. So if you'd prefer seeing it rather than just listening to it, you can find it over there. Thank you so much. And let's hear from Ariana. So today we have Ariana Taboada on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And hi, Ariana. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm glad to be here with you, Apo, and excited to get into our topic today. Yeah, definitely. I'm so, so excited about this one. As I just kind of mentioned in the introduction, you're the author of The Expecting Entrepreneur. Um, and I, the first thing I think would be very valuable for us to understand is, can you tell us a little bit more about your story, your backstory, um, how you got basically into the field of supporting new mothers and new parents and how uh, this whole book came about? Sure. Um, so I started off in the field of reproductive health more broadly. I'm trained as a social worker and maternal child health professional and specifically worked uh, in the safety net system in the U.S. And so that meant that I was working typically with families who were uninsured or underinsured. And so navigating folks navigating parental leave and pregnancy and postpartum in the context of a lot of other challenging social circumstances, um, like access to transportation, access to housing, um, to quality health care. And so I... I really learned a lot cutting my teeth in that world. Um, and when I went out into private practice in 2013, um, I found myself working with people who were entrepreneurs and so who usually had, had access to more resources, but were still grappling with the lack of structural access to paid leave. Um, and so spent many years doing one-on-one -on -one work with supporting founders as they were planning parental leave. And, and as you mentioned um, earlier in the introduction with the book, um, I ended up about a decade later taking all of those learnings from from the founders that I had the privilege of supporting and, and lifting up the, the strategies that work across industry, across business type, 
um, so that folks who who are self-employed and and growing their family don't have to feel like they are reinventing the wheel or starting from scratch or starting from zero every time they um, are are figuring out how to take parental leave, which is a theme I hear over and over again. Mm -hmm. No, that's definitely very, very important and very valuable. Um, And so could you, so we are going to maybe focus on people who are entrepreneurs, who are owning their own businesses. And could you tell us maybe why it's so important to take parental leave uh, for the parents and for their baby, um, especially when it's, you know, a self-employed mother or father? um, Why is it so important, uh, parental leave? Yeah, so I'll put my my uh, health professional and research scientist hat on for a moment and talk about the reality that we have evidence going back about 30 years now about um, the health benefits for um, for the dyad. And so for a new parent and for the child in terms not just of physiological health, um, psychological health, but also the the kind of social emotional um, bonding and um, an attachment that is built during that early stage. And so we know from the literature and from studies that have been conducted worldwide that supportive paid leave policies are really important for physiological recovery of a birthing person, for the bonding between a new parent and a child, and for an entire family unit to to be able to find their grounding and establish new norms, new routines. Um, And and there's also really interestingly a, a strong evidence base more from the workplace performance literature about the positive impact that paid leave policies have on workplace retention and and gender equity in terms of um, kind of performance over the course of of the lifetime of a birthing person. Yeah, definitely. So there's really two aspects. There's really the family aspect and the kind of economic employer aspect and taking parental leave is good for both of these um, aspects, which is why it's so important. Um, And so now... If we dig a bit deeper into your self-employed, uh, you know, parent or you're an entrepreneur and you want to grow your family, what are the really important things to, you know, keep in mind to kind of, you know, baby proof your business or um, make sure that you're going to be able to leave, um, you know, there's financial aspects, but there's also operational, um, you know, things that you have to take into account because Usually, if it's a business that you run, if you leave, then nothing, it's not going to run itself, right? That's what I uh, usually always say is that my business is not not going to run itself. So how can you best prepare for taking a leave uh, if you're self-employed or if you have a tiny, small team? Yeah, I think you touched on both things that I do want to get into the operational side and the the financial side. And, and also just acknowledge that for folks who are at an early stage of building a company, whether you're whether you're bootstrapping or raising, um, there there is this real conundrum of like you are the person that makes so much go on a day-to-day basis. So operationally, um, really thinking about what you need to build out in terms of a standard operating procedure or um, operations manual so that even 
if in the moment where you are doing many things, you you don't have anyone who you could train up or delegate to or outsource to, um, knowing that that if there is a time when you need to completely step away, like is often the case during the the first few weeks of um, of postpartum, that you have the the operational documentation in place to be able to do so. Um, and yes, it takes time. It is often a project to to get the operational side in order, um, but it is a great use of time for people um, who who end up making great use of it while they're on leave. And so, on the kind of financial side, do you have some uh, some like advice points for that as well to best prepare um, to you know have your business keep that your business kind of keeps running, but you also have enough runway to kind of take that leave? Yes. So three things I'll mention, and and um, before getting into the three things, I'll start with just the again the acknowledgement that the U.S. is the only high income country that does not have a federal paid leave policy, and so part of the challenge is that you are starting from a place of zero, right? The kind of the norm is that you will not have any paid leave, um, and that is not the norm worldwide. So I'll just I'll pause there. I'll <laughs> get off my soapbox. But in a situation where you are as an individual or as an entrepreneur, or as a as a company, a small company going to have to um, shoulder the, the, the reality of paid leave, there's a couple of things you can do to put in place. Um, the first thing that I often recommend folks look into is a short-term disability uh, policy for their company. And this is something that you can appro approach your insurance broker about, similar to the way you would approach someone about um, liability insurance or health insurance for, for a company. And so looking at your options um, there, and that will typically provide a percentage of, of payment um, over a short amount of time, sometimes six, sometimes eight different policies work differently. Mm -hmm. The second thing I um, build off of that is that there are some states that have filled the gap of this lack of federal policy. And so um, if you live in any of those states, paying into the state disability insurance policy is one way to also get access. Um, this is, you know, it gets pretty complicated quickly if you're running a remote company and you have people in different states, some with, some without policies. Um, but it is always a good idea to look into if you are in a state that has access, some of the ones that, you know, California has a longstanding program, New York, um, and there's uh, there's a couple of states that are rolling out, Maryland, Delaware, um, and Rhode Island has an established program. So um, a better balance is often a place that I suggest folks look to because they have a comparative chart of those different state level programs um, and and the details of each of the state's programs. So we can we can put a link in in show notes if you um, can include those. Definitely. And the the last thing I'll mention um, is to the same way that you would build marketing expenses or your talent line item into your budget, um, thinking about a thinking about paid leave falling somewhere in that benefits um, budget and essentially creating a specific earmarked amount um, of money for for supporting paid leave for yourself, for your early team members, when you start hiring, um, that is often a great way to build it in, even without being a big company. Yeah, definitely. That's super, super useful. And 
it seems that there are many options and this is kind of the financial or and operational planning before you leave um but what do you do once you know you've had a new baby you you've you know taken care of it uh, it's been a couple months and you want to return uh, back to your company um your business uh, do you have any top tips to kind of go, get back into the swing of things with this kind of life-changing event that just happened and you you know you don't you want to do everything right and you want to be the best parent that you can possibly be so do you have any advice for folks returning back to work in this very special environment where it's a small business or it's an it's a startup or it's a smaller smaller company where there aren't these bigger structures to have have um, a smoother onboarding process or re-onboarding process that makes sense so how do you yeah make sure that you can go back transition back into work as smoothly as possible yeah well I'll start with normalizing the reality that many founders like you were alluding to do not have this clear like I'm 100% off for x number of weeks and I you know I totally do not do anything related to to work and then I am back 100% It is oftentimes much more fluid um, and highly dependent on where the company is growth-wise. Um, and so it is, it is normal for some founders to actually maintain a touch point throughout their leave or to dip back in to work when there's an important milestone on the horizon, um, when they have a fairly young infant. I mean, health issues, barring any major health issues, um, if if there is an important investor meeting or if there is um, a, a key launch date that you want to be kept abreast of, then I just want to normalize the fact that, yes, you can show up for work things before you are officially back from leave. And many people do. I'll, I'll add one tool and process that I often recommend, which is at the time that you do start transitioning back to more full-time hours, whatever that looks like for you as a founder, then using a tool like a 30-60-90 um, can help uh, scaffold that return. And so at 30 days back, having check-in time um revisiting what you're working on, what is back on your plate, what are upcoming milestones, doing the same thing at the 60-day mark and the 90-day mark. So essentially like an onboarding process, um, but allowing that time to, to periodically revisit what are the things you're working on. Because I think one of the silver linings actually for entrepreneurs is that pregnancy becomes this forcing function to, to ask yourself the question of what does my job description need to be right now for what, what do I need to be doing in my company? What's absolutely necessary that I do versus what other people do, or what are the things that actually may not need to be done at all? Mm -hmm. um, and so it is an opportunity to do that. And that checking in at 30, 60, 90 can be a way to, to make sure that when you do return, you're working on the things that you actually help drive the business forward. <laughs> No, that definitely makes a ton of sense. And you just mentioned mentioned having, for example, investor meetings before you're fully ready to kind of fully get back to, to work. Do you think that because there's, you know, a pregnancy and some time off and then a child, do you think that makes it harder um, for, you know, people to, to, to I mean, you, we, we still know that the VC and the investing world is uh, mainly... Um, 
not a lot of capital goes to women, etc. And so do you think that there is also a whole stigma around uh, giving birth uh, in terms of like investors will look at you differently? And so how do you best communicate to investors? You know, I'm on I'm on parental leave right now, but I can still make this meeting, um, but I'm not fully back. And do you think in your experience with all the people you've spoken to, do you think um, there is still some sort of that it still is harder for people taking parental leave to um, raise money or to have credibility in terms of, you know, being a business leader um, in their field. Is that still an issue or um, in your experience, have you seen any of that happen? Yeah. So we do know from, again, so many, <laughs> both both historical and, and current evidence that pregnancy bias and discrimination in the workplace in general is um, is present. And so in the VC world, it is also present. And so um, uh, in terms of investor, potential investor communication about leave, one of the things that I always like to remind people of is that you, it is up to the pregnant person how much they decide to disclose um, because it is, at the end of the day, it is personal health information, right? So um, you can you can, you should, and can take some time to think about what do I feel comfortable disclosing, especially yeah. in the zoom virtual world. I have heard of plenty of founders, uh, rate going through an entire raise while pregnant and, and the issue never comes up and physically people cannot tell. And so I think the important thing to address in either potential investor communications or in secured investment communications is that investors want the company's success. And so letting them know how, what your plans are, how you will be, how you will change your availability or what your communication um, frequency may change is really important information to communicate upfront. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people even decide to fold it in to of upcoming projections. If there are milestones that are going to change based on leave, and it might be a founder's leave, it might be a key team member's leave, um, then to to note those in um, in quarterly updates, um, not as like a pregnancy announcement necessarily, but as a this is this is what we have coming down the pike ba- pike based on these realities in terms of our our team. Um, so Great. that's <laughs> very practical, basically very like you know, these are the numbers, this is the pipeline. Um, That makes a lot of sense. And right, you don't have to disclose everything to any investor or anybody really. Um, So that's, uh, that's another very good takeaway. Um, I've heard some people talk about it actually as a almost like a test, an alignment values alignment test for investors. So people who do use it, um, do use the information about an upcoming leave to include in their pitch to potential investors. And if an investor begins to ask questions or show any kind of doubt, then it then it becomes a moment of alignment to say, is this the right investor match for me? Yeah, definitely. It can, it can be some sort of red flag or <laughs> something that you can yeah test people on. That's, that's very interesting. So I wanted to ask you a bit more about the book, if you don't mind talking about it. What was the process of writing it? How long did it take you to write it? Um, you know, what what was the whole process? Um, sure. So I started writing the book um, 
in 2018, which was about five years after doing kind of being deep in the weeds consulting wise. And so you could say that maybe the period of 2013 to 2018 was like the field work in quotations mm-hmm. part of the book. And then the actual writing started in 2018. I also had a small child, a two-year-old at the time, um, and was working full-time. And so um, the writing happened in kind of very non-linear flows. Like there was not any, I wake up every day and do my two hours of writing. It was like every couple of weeks, I will block a day or every couple of months when I have a bunch of chapters that need editing, I will take a weekend and go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, yeah, so the writing process went from 2018 to 2020 and then um, publication had a bunch of of uh, logistics involved as well. And it came out October, 2021. Okay, so it's been a year since it's been out basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the, congrats on doing that. I know that writing a book sounds very terrifying when you have a lot on your plate. Um, so it's really, it's really nice to hear that you weren't like writing every single day and that you were just trying to make it work um, as best as you could, which, you know, is something we all kind of need to hear. Because uh, I feel like there's this picture of, you know, you see someone else doing something and you think, oh, they must be, you know, so organized, so perfect. Uh, and it's really great to share that we're all kind of have a lot of on our plates and can't uh, write every day or do this or that every day or et cetera. So that's pretty, really, I guess, reassuring to hear. And uh, thank you for sharing that. One of the, you know, the things that I really like to ask the guests on this podcast is um, if, you know, you were talking to your I guess, younger self when you first became a mother or uh, if you were talking to a new parent, any new parent that just had a baby, what are maybe at the top of your head, the top two or three pieces of advice that you would give them? Like the most important advice for someone who just became a parent, Um, you know, very general, you don't necessarily know that person's circumstances, but what are the two or three most important things to you that you should know in order to you know, successfully um, survive the first kind of year with your baby. Um, I'd love to hear that from you. Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind is social support. And mm-hmm. one of the one of the first things that my care provider said to me after I was through this like two week immediate postpartum, she was like, I, I think you might need to go out and meet some people now. (laughs) And so really figuring out what are the supports available to you in your community, um, whether it's in person or virtual, um, and how how can you figure out ways to connect with other people in a similar postpartum, newborn, new parent um, experience, and that 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 cohort um, experience can be really important and, and an anchor in the tough times. Okay, no, that makes a lot of sense. Community and support, uh, definitely one of the most important things in life. Well, um, we're 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 kind of up with time, but it was so so great to have you on. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to discuss your experience, your book, and for all the advice and tips that you gave us today. Uh, it was very very valuable, and I hope that everyone listening who has runs a business or knows someone who runs a business or who's an entrepreneur or founder. Um, can benefit from it and um, you know 
I'll put all your socials in the description. If you want to reach out to Ariana, please do. Um, she's amazing. And thank you so much for being on and for, for having this discussion with me. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Thank you.